PT Pro Talk Podcast, the fastest way to increase your knowledge with the brightest minds of physical therapy in your pocket. Welcome to PT Pro Talk Podcast. I am Mariana Tondo, your host for today. In this episode, Robert Metcalf will talk about OCS board certification for MDT clinicians. After advanced studies in New Zealand with the McKenzie Institute USA in 1991, Robert was granted the McKenzie Institute International Diploma in MDT. And right after that, he was named to the teaching faculty of the McKenzie Institute. He is presently Director of Spine Rehabilitation at Resurgence Orthopedics in Atlanta, Georgia. I hope you enjoy the show. Range Master has been specializing in professional grade at home and in-clinic rehab tools for almost 30 years. All of their products are available through distributors at rangemasterpt.com and on Amazon. So either you stock items or refer patients to buy online, they've got you covered. One thing I love about Range Master, they offer all physical therapists free samples. Get yours today by going to rangemasterpt.com and click Get a Sample. Hi, Robert. Welcome to PT Pro Talk. How are you today? Very good. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Thank you for being here with us. And let's jump right in. So could you tell us a little bit about yourself, your career, and how did you get to where you are right now? Yeah, sure. I'm a physical therapist. I live in Atlanta, Georgia, and work in a very busy outpatient uh, practice. Um, I'm the director of spine rehabilitation um, at Resurgence Rehabilitation in Atlanta. So I see the majority of the patients are spine, uh, probably 70 to 80%. I've uh, been at this for a long time, as the gray hair will, uh, <laughs> will say. I've been in um, practice for 36 years now, and so I've um, seen a lot of changes in the physical therapy profession during that time. I uh, graduated from Georgia State, uh, went right into private pra- or went to a private practice in orthopedics, defying what my professors all said, which was to do a lot of different things and find what you wanted. I, I knew what I wanted to do. Um, and then uh, fortunately, early in my career, having taken a few continuing education courses, I um, took my first MDT course um, and uh, things just sort of clicked. It just made sense. And I went from floundering with my patients to having some success and uh, really fell in love with the system, Um, went through all of the courses and did my diploma in 1991 uh, with Mark Miller um, in uh, New Zealand with, uh, we were down there with uh, Robin McKenzie and um, came back and and started teaching uh, soon thereafter uh, for the Institute and been teaching since 1992. So long time. Oh, yeah. Almost 30 years. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, very long time. So I've seen a lot of different different changes and uh, um, still use MDT as a foundation of everything that I do. So I teach um, all of the courses except the advanced extremity course um, because I don't see as many extremities as some of our faculty. But um, so, yeah, so still in the trenches, about 40 ish hours a week and uh, teaching as many courses as possible. Obviously, through the pandemic, it's not been possible to teach very many in person, you know, face-to-face courses, but some, uh, a few in, in person. And then uh, we have in the United States, we have um, the uh, Lisa beginnings, or A through D of our core curriculum uh, online at this point too. So, I just imagine a lot of experience, many, many years. So that's great. Yeah. Still learning, still learning. So. That's what's beautiful. Every day is a different day. So challenges. Um, and so you are the MDT mentor for the OCS board certification study preparation process. So would you share with us how the process works? Sure. Let me uh, give a little background first of how this started. I never would have really considered strongly doing board certification because to be honest with you, having MDT as a foundation um, and getting you know good results, I, I kind of felt like I was it was adequate. Um, a few years back, um, the chair of our board of directors, Ron Schenk, told uh, requested that we consider getting our faculty board certified. 
uh, as really an outreach to the rest of the physical therapy profession. Um, to some in the physical therapy profession that are, don't, are not that familiar with MDT, MDT can seem foreign. It doesn't seem like a part of the, uh, uh, you know, um, some, some parts of it are, are, are considered uh, part of the core, but some of it seems outside the mainstream. And so uh, really for political reasons, we decided to try to get um, greater exposure to MD, for MDT, getting on um, a you know, pr presentations at the American Physical Therapy Association meeting, combined sections meeting, um, American Academy of Orthopedic Manual Physical Therapy meetings. That those really require someone to have either a, a doctorate or at least the OCS designation uh, behind their name to even be considered. So to get really the proverbial seat at the table with uh, and, and to expose more people to MDT, uh, we set a process. They that kind of asked me if I would be willing to spearhead this process. And um, we had, um, I think, 11 of our faculty went through the first year. And so we studied together uh, and apart and, uh, and uh, knock on wood, everything went well, everyone passed. So which is you know, talking to some people to have 11 out of 11 pass. We're now up to, I think, 14 of our faculty have passed. No one has not, none of our faculty have not passed. So that's a pretty remarkable uh, achievement, I believe, because it's a very rigorous examination. Um, in the process of going through this, I, I will admit that um, other than just giving cursory attention to things outside the MDT world, I really didn't pay as much attention to what was happening in the spine or extremities in the other areas. And so, um, and, and kind of wondered what is it that people are getting if they're not doing MDT as, a, as the foundation, using that word, but um, for PT education, what are they learning? And so this, as an educator, exposed me to what it is that students are getting in the DPT program so that when I teach a part A or a part B, I know where they're coming from. I know what information they've received. And so, you know, one of the things with being an instructor is you want to meet people where they are. And that's really helped me in a great, great uh, degree with that. So we'll talk a little bit more about pros and cons and things like that. But um, so I saw, you know, there would be some benefit to kind of know, knowing that. Um, I actually, and I'm one of those very strange people, um, I actually didn't dislike the process that much. I like a challenge. I liked, you know, and I started to find, hey, there's some information out here that I wasn't aware of. And so I, was, I learned a good, a good bit. Right? So when that process was over, um, I said, we don't need to start, stop with faculty. I think we need to get more MDT people through the process. And so I volunteered and said, you know, I'd be willing to do a study group starting in August of each year with collected materials that we've, we've now organized, I think, fairly well and take people through the process of preparing for the exam. And so what we've done is we've brought some more of the faculty that didn't go through that first cohort. We've now also brought uh, some uh, diplomats. We've opened it up to diplomats and eventually we wanna open this up to credential uh, clinicians as well. So we're kind of working through, um, and this is a, something that I do just because I enjoy it. Um, it's no, there's no cost involved or anything like that. But it's to try to guide people through the process, and what we've entitled it uh, the OCS for the um, for the uh, MDT trained clinician because it is different. What you're learning goes against the grain. There are certain things, especially when it comes to the spine, that are not MDT. Now, the good thing is, is for the lumbar spine, a lot of what is taught because it is so evidence based is is MDT. Um, so. So that's kind of how it started. And, and basically we have a cohort going through every year, starting in August. We take, you know, usually in, in June or July, we put out, we send our, um, our diploma clinicians uh, an invitation. And if they're interested in going through it, they reply and come back to me. And we, we have a study group. We have seven going through now. We, have as, we can take as many as 10. And we do bi-weekly study group meetings and we have topic areas. We start and we work through body parts. Um, and we, we adjust and adapt this based on how people do on the exam. Um, and so I think we're, we've kind of, we've kind of tweaked it and fine tuned it a, a good bit. Um, and now we're the group that's going to be taking the test in, uh, end of February, beginning of March. We're now in reviewing study questions. We've managed to compile a bunch of questions, um, and answers over the years and try to, we're now trying to prepare people for the actual test taking process. Um, so 
So I, you know, I think it's a, it's a good a good process. It's very rigorous, um, and uh, there a, a lot a lot of reading and people. Obviously, are still working in the clinic, so it takes quite a commitment to do that. So but that's generally what it is. It starts in August, work, works up into the exam itself. Um, I make myself available via emails or phone calls if somebody is reading something that they can't you know, reconcile. Um, I'm, I'm there just to try to help guide them through the process. We use MedBridge as um, their OCS process is kind of the foundation, and we just have built upon that, uh, that foundation. And... Uh, it's, it's fun. It's interesting. It keeps me on my toes. So I figure in 10 years when it's time for me to go through and uh, get recertified, I shouldn't have to spend as much time studying because I'll be kind of up to date. So a little bit of an ulterior motive there. So, so that's, that's kind of what it is, uh, the process is, and um, become a labor of love. It's really interesting because um, it's not necessarily going to change a lot of what people you know, do in terms of their daily practice. On the margins, it will. Um, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but uh, it hasn't changed what I do in terms of the initial approach to the patients, but, but it has rounded me. I think I'm, I'm, I'm a more well-rounded clinician being more aware of what's going on outside the MDT world and trying to, you know, as we continue to reach out to, to try to get people to, um, to investigate, look into MDT. And I'm just curious to ask, so you said it starts in August, right? How long does it take the process for like how many months do you study for the exam? Yeah, it's up until the exam time. The usual exams are the last week of, of uh, February or the first week of March. So we get through the content about two weeks ago, actually the first weekend after New Year. That actually was the second, I think. We did our last content uh, we went through, um, I think it was the lumbar spine. And so we've completed each of the body part areas. And now we're into just preparing to take the test and getting used to analyzing, you know, the test taking, particularly with standardized tests is, is an art and a skill in itself. So for myself, you know, I had not taken a standardized test since my credentialing exam back in what, 1990, 91. So it was, a, so it was really, I had to get used to how to decipher a question and, you know, break it down and, you know, and, and also, so we're working on the mechanics and, and getting people prepared, just taking multiple questions over and over and over and over again. And so there's a lot of learning that just that can take place just in that, in that process, especially if you come upon a question that you don't know the answer to, you can mark it and say, okay, that's something I need to spend some more time looking into. And then they can go to the website where we have all the all the materials, and that's the thing we've done. We've com compiled a web, um, a Google Drive that has all of the test, uh, excuse me, all of the each body part, um, including uh, medical screening and those types of things. And it's and so the the participants um, in the group have access, constant access to that, so they can download everything. Also, we record each of um, we do it through via Skype, and I take a, the recording of each of the meetings, because sometimes people can't make the meeting. And so we'll take the, and I will upload that to the Google Drive. So if somebody misses a meeting, they can go on and they can watch the, the study group session. So all of those are sitting in there. And so now during the review time, they're going back and, and reviewing some of the, the ones, particularly the like foot and ankle, wrist and hand that we did, you know, a few months ago. So, um, so it can, they can have, have access to that. So um, so I think we're, we've, I said, I think we've developed a pretty good process and, um, seems to be, um, you know, not everyone has, has passed, but, uh, but most have, have made it through, um, the process. So it's a long time. It's many months. It's awesome that you do that. And I think it's, it's good to have someone with the same view to probably share the same ideas and discuss the process and everything. So I'm super curious to ask you, so what are the pros and cons of MDT practitioners becoming bar certified? So I would say on a personal level, one of the pros is that becoming board certified in whatever anyone's specialty area, being recognized as a board certified specialist, clinical specialist in that is, it, it, it means a lot, you know, so board, for physicians, the board certification is important. Um, I would put that, you know, I certainly think MDT as a foundation is, is, is an important thing, but I would put that, you know, up right behind that in terms of uh, prestige. There is a certain level of prestige. The community, the, you know, the, the, um, 
uh, patients recognize board certification. I've had people that are MDT diplomats that say, look, to my patients, seeing that I'm a board certified clinical orthopedic specialist, you know, means more to them than I have a diplomat in mechanical diagnosis and therapy. They don't, the public doesn't yet is in, in mass realize the ben, the beneficial nature of that and what a diploma uh, diploma or credential in, in MDT means. So, but they see board certified, they know that you've been through a rigorous process. So, um, you know, I've had some people say that they actually have had more patients come to them through that than through, you know, through MDT means, even though they use MDT. Um, so, so it does have a, a level of personal prestige and, 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 you know, it, it does show that you've, you've met a very high standard. Um, so that would be a, a pro from a personal level. From a larger level, I think in discussions, you know, we hear clinicians on part, uh, uh, on part A through D talking about how do I get my other clinicians to listen to me? You know, I'm telling them about MDT. Well, part of it on a, you know, within a, a practice could be if you have that OCS, there's a level of respect that goes up, you know, for, for that. And so they're more apt to, to you know, somebody that's going to sit up and take notice. Um, and so there's that within, you know, perhaps your a, a practice. And then at the larger level, as I mentioned before, getting presentations done, you know, getting on platforms and, and posters and things like that at these other meetings so we can expose the wider orthopedic physical therapy community to the benefits of MDT, um, we, we get that again, I'm, I'll use the phrase again, because this is what Ron Schenk said, we get can get the seat at the table that they'll listen to us because we have their credential. We have an instant respect. They go, oh, you're OCS. Okay. Well, that gets their attention. And now they're going to be more open to listening to what it is that, that, that we're doing rather than thinking, oh, MDT, they're off there doing their own thing. And they're not really a part of the mainstream of orthopedic physical therapy. And, and we are. We've always thought of ourselves as that. Well, if we're going to be that, we need to know what it is that's occurring in the rest of that mainstream. So, so I think it, it, it so there's a political aspect, there's the interdepartmental aspect, and then certainly the personal aspect. Um, having gone through it, it was a very challenging process. I'm, I think we all, all the fact that we were exhausted, but I think we all felt a, 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 a well, a, a sense of relief was probably the first thing when the, when the, the grades came, you know, the, that we actually got our scores um, and passed. We actually, it was interesting because they came in, we were having a, a faculty uh, retreat um, faculty diplomat retreat actually in Buffalo and everyone got their scores and it was, you know, everyone, no one wanted to be the, the only one who didn't pass. So it was really like a, not a competition, but no one wanted to be, oh, so too bad that you didn't pass. So, so when everyone got their scores, it was like, oh, wow. And so it was kind of a celebratory, uh, thing there, but, um, but we we're all proud, you know, we we're proud that we had, had gone out on a limb and done something that was out of our comfort zone. And, uh, and, and had been successful at it. So, um, so, you know, spurred by that, I said, look, you know, if I could get these, these crazy faculty, you know, we can get everybody, you know, uh, you know, in the same rooms and studying and on the same zoom meetings and all of that. Um, and we all managed to get through then, then, yeah, I think we can, we can offer this to, to our diplomats and then, uh, eventually our credential. And I think we're close to doing the credentials. I think as we, st we only have seven in this group, we had 10 in the pre previous couple. So I think we're, we're now getting to the point that we're going to be able to offer it. We also offer it um, as a part of our residency. So we have two, two, typically a couple of residents each year that have gone through um, the MDT orthopedic residency. And so um, they, they are also in, involved in the, uh, the, the study group. So um, so that's that's something as well. And their credential, they're, they've gone through in their credential, um, but because they're a part of that, they 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 are um, on on the meeting. So so that's pros. Those are pros. So one of the cons would be um, would be that, uh, that not only the time commitment, but um, maybe people possibly their MDT thinking that maybe you were going a different way and you lost your commitment to. MDT, and I would say, look at the faculty, they're teaching, they're OCS, you know, they, they were board certified and they still have the, again, foundation and are, are continuing to improve their skills in MDT. So that would be a con, but the main one is the, is the time commitment and, uh, and being willing to, to spend, you know, a good number of hours, 15, 20 hours a week, 
in general is what we tell people to expect that they're going to spend for that time. Oh, wow. That's, that's a lot of hours a week. It is a big commitment. So it is. we are talking about the challenges. So you said that it's a lot of time consuming. What are the other challenges in the process? So I think maintaining a focus is really difficult. People, and I've had people, you know, said, look, I had a couple of weeks, I really kind of fell off and it, it's natural. You know, we have life continuing to go on. And um, should I discontinue at this point in time? There, every, every group, we've had situations where people said they fell off. And I tell them, look, just, you know, see if you feel like you can catch up, if you feel like you, you're back on track. See how you do. Each of the meetings, we have some, some quiz questions. And if you feel like you're missing the majority of the quiz questions, maybe consider deferring it. And, um, um, you know, but if you feel like, okay, no, I'm actually back, I've caught back up. Then, um, then that's fine. And we leave a lot of time at the end here. So if anyone was behind or didn't get to listen to uh, anything in the past, they've got several weeks. We basically built almost two months at the end for people to, to catch up and really focus on the things that they've identified that weren't, that they, they didn't feel as strongly about. We've done another thing. We've also put risk because of people MDT clinicians don't, we haven't done as well score-wise on wrist and hand and elbow. Those and then also foot and ankle. Those are areas we've not done as well. So we've actually front loaded those and then we come back to them at the end. So we kind of get a double dose of those. So we've, we've tweaked this as, as we've gone along and um, um, prepare to be to do really well with the lumbar spine, which is great because 20% of the exam, one out of every five questions is lumbar spine and MDT clinicians clean up there. But be prepared, it's a little more of a struggle through the things that we don't do as much, wrist and hand, elbow, splinting stuff. There's all sorts of stuff that just falls my practice more to our OT, but uh, um, it's a little, little harder and you're really digging back to, to even remember, you know, those kinds of things. So, but we have resources to help. We have um, uh, anatomy resources, biomechanics, things that people can go back to websites that can help guide you through. If you need to brush up on, you know, wrist and hand or elbow or, you know, foot and ankle anatomy, biomechanics, those kinds of things because all of those are fair game on the, on the test as well. It's very, very broad. It's a, anything goes, basically. You can get anatomy, you can get physiology, you can get tissue physiology, you know, down to sarcomeres. I mean, all, this, all of those things that go way back. And so um, it's very broad and it's very daunting, uh, the process is. But, um, but again, it's worthwhile when you get through, through the end of it, so... And I was just curious to also ask you about the differences. So as MGT practitioners, we have a very, I'm not going to say different way of thinking, but you have a rationale behind it. And sometimes it's very different from the traditional orthopedic physical therapy. So like, what do you think are the main differences between the MGT view and the traditional orthopedic view, I would say? I think the thing that really trips people in MDT up, and it's really hard, and it goes against what we uh, typically do, is the is the uh, clinical prediction rules. You know, like lumbar manipulation. You know, they got the the five uh, you know predictors for that: less than seventeen, or less than sixteen days, FABQ less than nineteen, blah, blah blah. All sorts of things that seem totally unrelated to responding to lumbar manipulation. Plus, not to mention, we don't manipulate until we get to the end of our force progression. And so most times we don't manipulate. So to consider, and, and again, I, I don't do this. I haven't changed my practice, but, but to learn and consider doing a manipulative thrust technique on a patient day one who happens to fit these four of these five criteria is totally foreign. But we have to learn that, yes, there is research to validate that and that on the exam, they are going to be looking for that if, if they meet those criteria. So those are things that really, I think people go, so what if their hip internal rotation is 35 degrees on one or more or both hips? I mean, they go, why, do, and, and why does that mean they should be manipulated? So it's, it's so the, those things, the, the clinical prediction rules seem sort of random to an MDT clinician who goes through a very methodical assessment. They seem like they're pulled out of thin air. And um, that's what they did, though, actually. They found people that responded to manipulation. They did a regression analysis and said, these are the five criteria they spit out that that of the people that responded best. And like, okay, those seeming, they seem random. But we have to learn them. We need to know that those are there and that that could be asked on the examination. And so 
Um, I think that really that 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 trips people up having to think about practice rules. Um, now, there's some practice rules that make a lot of sense. So, the exam, the OCS exam, is written for as as though each practitioner is a PT are the primary person, the first contact person that that patient sees, because we're really working towards that. And I think in, in MDT worlds, uh, we, we, we certainly believe that we could we can be that. Um, but we have fracture rules and things like that. So the diagnostic rules about, okay, patient, this patient, you know, uh, with a high velocity accident has, comes in with, and they describe paresthesias in their hands, they get x-ray, okay? The accident was over, 62 miles an hour, over 100 kilometers, they get x-rayed. So there, there are this Canadian cervical spine rules for fractures, the Ottawa foot and ankle rules, the Ottawa knee rules for, for radiographs, I think are very valuable if someone is working in a practice where they are oftentimes the first person that, that, that they see. Somebody comes in on crutches after an ankle sprain, do I need x-rays or not? Okay, let's look and see where they're tender. Let's see with their weight-bearing status. Can they take two reciprocal st uh, steps on each side? That type of thing. So there's some of the diagnostic rules that I wasn't aware of until we got into the into the OCS study. And I'm like, okay, these are actually validated. But some of the on the treatment side, it's really very difficult and challenging. The other thing is the extremity stuff. And, and we have to recognize that in terms of research for the for MDT and the extremities, we're still in the in our early stages of building blocks. You know, reliability, intertestor reliabilities, intra intra, then intertestor reliabilities, et cetera, building that pyramid of evidence. And so we don't show up in the guidelines. MDT doesn't show up in you know in, in most of the guidelines for the shoulder or the knee or the ankle. It doesn't show up in there because we don't have randomized control trials. We've not gotten to the, the pinnacle. So we have to then look at evidence for other things. I think one of the most frustrating things is MDT uh, fell out of the guidelines completely for the cervical spine. The 2017 revision uh, for the cervical spine, there's, there's nothing in there about MDT. In 2008, we, in the guidelines, we had C-level evidence, which is slight, minimal efficacy and because there were no really good studies between then and 2017 fell out completely. So we look at this and we go, they're missing the boat, they're missing out, but we also have to realize the standards and we need to, so it also helps to point to what research needs to be done. And now we have a research um, uh, committee that's working on trying to, to help develop trials to, to try to, you know, to match what we would need to do to get in these clinical practice guidelines. So, um, so there's that. So, so there are def definitely some things that you go, this doesn't make sense. And that's why it's, it's the OCS for the MDT trained clinician, because there are things that you're going to go, that was a terror, you know, you're going to look at it and you go, and the spine was cleared because range of motion of the cervical spine with passive over, with overpressure did not recreate the patient's arm, shoulder or arm symptoms. And you're going to go, that's not enough to rule out the cervical spine. You're there, you know, we, we, we do things differently. But at this point, it's not yet well accepted. So they're, they're just things that, that, that you go, they're not, they're missing out on the boat. And certainly spine, the extremity derangements are completely missed. They do not yet have the sense of that. They they're, they're dance around it a little bit. They talk about for the knee, they talk about the lack of knee extension and restoring that extension is so important to getting back. They talk about shoulder and they talk about internal rotation deficits for throwers. And, and then they talk about rapidly regaining that. And so they're, they're almost there with the rapid reversibility of some of these conditions. We call them derangements, but, but they're not quite there yet. So there's a frustration level that they don't recognize that. And you're having to answer questions on a test that, you know, you're, that are not necessarily matching what you might do in the clinical practice where you're sorting out spine versus extremity derangements and dysfunctions, articular and contractile all the time. It's a, it's a, it's a different thing because you'll be answering things on that exam, knowing what they're looking for that doesn't necessarily match what you might do with that same patient in the clinic. You would continue the examination and look for directional preference. You know, in the extremities, you're not going to see that on the OCS, not yet. Years down the road, yes, it will show up, just as the lumbar spine is, you know, is on there. But it's it's so so. Those are some things I think that are that are um, 
a bit of a challenge for an MDT clinician. You're like, oh, I got to answer this question. And I really don't see the answer on here that really matches what I would do in this situation. So um, that's a challenge. But I think it's also good, as you said, that you know what people are doing and thinking and see where MDT is lacking to show up there on the research and all of that. So you can kind of guide to the direction that you need to go. So I think that's probably a good way to being updated what's going on outside of the MDT world. So it, it is. is very positive. Yeah. It is. And it, and really the thing that I think it helps, it's good to help us because there are practice guidelines. on. We, we have our other classification, which is really other than is second to derangement in terms of um, in terms of frequency. And so you have clinical practice guidelines on things that fit other adhesive capsulitis in the shoulder. OK, how do we manage that? It's another it's a soft tissue disease process. But we have there's really strong research evidence on how to manage those through the stages plantar fascia, uh, fasciitis or fasciopathy, that is also an other, it's a soft tissue disease process, management of that. And so there are some areas that, um, um, and, you know, uh, carpal tunnel syndrome, of course, they're, you know, we're going to rule out the neck and we're going to rule out derangement and the extremity and those kinds of things, but for management of true carpal tunnel syndrome. So, so some of the practice guidelines address some of the patients who fall into our other category and inform us about the proper management. And so I think that's where I would say that, that going through and learning this has impacted my practice more is in the other population. What is the evidence? We say, we, we do say that in our, in our uh, manuals and in our, what we're talking about, we say we go to the, the evidence and actually it's very good because as we're working on refining MDT and, and getting it better and better, people have, ref have refined the other group for us. And so we do have evidence to go to in those other areas, so. And that will be my next question. How has the certification changed our practice? So you'll pretty much answer. <laughs> yeah, it's refined it. It's helped me to know, you know, if I get a patient who has, you know, that has, you know, plantar heel pain and fits the criteria for plantar fasci uh, fasciopathy or fasciitis, and I cannot, it's the lumbar spine is ruled out. I can't make the connection and I cannot find a, a directional preference in the foot and ankle. And it's a consistent feature. I now have strategies to manage that. And, um, and so, um, so the, you know, so when we go through the ruling out process and end up with that same thing with adhesive capsulitis, true adhesive capsulitis. Now we see patients who are given that diagnosis all the time that are cervical derangements or, or shoulder derangements. I mean, we see that, but when it truly is, and you've truly ruled out the, um, you know, derangements of the spine, derangements of the extremity and dysfunction, then you truly are left with an adhesive capsulitis. Then, then I'm able to manage those. Now I know the stages and understand those better and uh, how to progress patients through that. So, so I, I would say other is a good, it's a good thing. So um, the other part that's very helpful and, and is the medical diagnostic part of it. We talk about red flags and things like that. We delve much more into those. We start talking about, you know, the referral to, you know, the shoulder from, you know, pancreatitis and those kinds of things there. We spend a good bit of time in it because a lot of what is on the exam is the ruling out or ruling in a potential red flag pathology. So again, that goes along with, with the clinician being the first patient that they see. So somebody comes in with severe unremitting left shoulder pain that is affected by eating, you know, okay, wait a minute, this is a visceral issue, you know, so those kinds of things are, are you know, that would be a Kurz sign. And so um, that would, those kinds of things being more up-to-date and familiar with that, I think is helpful as well. Um, and it's, you know, even though most of my patients come to me having been referred by a, a physician, it's still helpful for me to be on guard for those red flags. So we, we dive into that a little more deeply than we do in any of our MDT a through D, we get into it on the diploma exam for sure. Um, but uh, but A through E, we don't we we talk about it, but we don't get into the the detail as much as we did in this in doing the OCS process. Yeah, I think that's a good um, good thing to be ruled out because sometimes you can just pass by and we miss some of the signs and and symptoms that are important. So I think it's just 
add more value to the assessment, right? Yeah, I think it does. Yeah. And what are your suggestions for those considering the OCS? So I would say what we're looking at is, is the group that, um, that is already going through MDT or has gone through MDT. If you're in process, I would, this, and very biased opinion, but I think MDT is the best grounding. Again, I've used that word a couple or three times here, foundational approach to build upon. And so um, I, th I think, and I've had people that have done the OCS first and then come to MDT and they've done fine with it. But if you're in process, I wouldn't, I would complete that and then consider it. I would not stop through say at B or C level and then do the old OCS and then come back to it. I think really refining your skills and finishing the educational process and getting that grounding and then put building the OCS on top of that is probably, I would say preferred. Now that may be just because that's kind of how most of the faculty ended up doing it. Actually, some of our faculty were OCS before they were di diplomats. Uh, Josh Kidd, um, who has been a mentor to me through the OCS process, Brian McClanahan, they had their OCS before they were ever teaching. Um, um, and so they did that in, in process. Now these guys are brilliant and they can do it any way they want to. But but I think for most of us mere mortals, we probably want to complete one thought process. You know, let's see, can I apply MDT to all of the whole body, to the whole musculoskeletal system? <clears throat> and then okay, I think I would like to become board certified and build that on top of it. That would be my, my recommendation. Um, but and, and now if you were to go to most of the faculty out there, they say, no, no, get your board certification, get your APTA credential, and then go to the other, you know, so if you want to do this or some other, um, you know, um, advanced certification in another area. But um, I think MDT is just so all-encompassing that it really does give you that grounding. So that'd be my recommendation. Yeah. And so let's now just transition to the final questions. What is your favorite resource of information? Any books or specific papers, studies that you like in your practice in particular? Well, I would say in terms of studies, I think that the, the groundbreaking study that's out now and was published in early fall of I guess right at the end of the, the summer of 2019 was the Rosedale study, the XPOS study, extremity pain of spinal source. That to me, 43.5% of the patients in that group resolved their, their condition, their extremity condition, they, and they thought they did not have a spinal condition. They resolved it with treatment of the spine. I think that to me is a landmark. I'd put it up there in the same league as Audrey Long's paper from 2004, does it matter which, which exercise? I think those are just so important and, and, and have such meaning um, in terms of how many patients, and Richard even yeah, said, we, would, we were surprised by the numbers, how many, what percentage when uh, it turned out to be spinal. And so that, those, are, those I would say are, are really you know, quite important. Um, in terms of resources, obviously, I think the MDT uh, books, I think that the, that's important. The website that keeps up with the, um, with the current research and, and puts, uh, we put abstracts on there, the, MDT, the um, US MDT website, I think that's a very good place to go. Journal of Orthopedic and Sports PT, Journal of Manual and Manipulative Therapy, which is the official MD uh, McKenzie Institute. Um, it, we're one of the people that it's, uh, um, that it's the, our official um, journal. So as we're, and that's where a lot of the good research is published and that's where the uh, Rosedale XBOS study was. So those would be some resources. I would say if you're looking into the OCS process, um, the current concepts are probably your best overall, you wanna get everything is the current line of thinking. And the fifth edition of that just came out. I'm still working my way through it. It came out um, in the fall. And um, so we've not yet incorporated all of the, that's the updates in that. Uh, we're still working primarily on the fourth edition. But if you want a good sense of what the OCS might be like, see if somebody has a, the fourth or fifth edition and just kind of peruse that. Um, that's going to give you an idea of what's what the, the current outside the MDT world, um, the current uh, state of the art, state of the science with regard to orthopedic um, physical therapy. That would be 
right at the top there. And what would be the best advice you give to the clinicians that are starting their careers? Yeah, so this is a this is an interesting one, you know, because I've, I've been at this for a long time. And um, I would say the, you know, try early on to develop a niche, you know, a, something, a, 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 an area of, of that, that you feel passionate about. For me, because I was like one of the only people in the Atlanta area who was had ever taken an MDT course back way back when, um, it was kind of one of those things, hey, nobody's doing this. And so I could kind of, you know, carve a little niche. Um, something, though, that drives you, something that's passion, you know, someone, I'm a paraphrase here, someone, I read a quote recently, someone said, if you love what it is that you do every day, you'll never work a day in your life. You know, I mean, if you develop something you really love doing, it's not really work. And so um, strive for excellence, not perfection, because there is no perfection. You're going to make mistakes. Um, I would say even backing up again, finding um, that not only that that area that you want to work uh, in, but um, um, but but uh, that niche area, but find a mentor. Find someone who's willing to kind of take you under their wing. Um, it's interesting. I was just texting a little bit ago. The person who gave me my first PT job, he just retired and we're going to dinner next week. And so, you know, we're texting, trying to find where to go. And I'm like, there's a mentor. Took me under his wing, you know, wet behind the ears, kid coming out of school. And he, you know, and then when I started doing MDT, he wanted to become interested. So the student became the teacher. And so, you know, it's kind of interesting how that worked. And we've been friends ever since. But but find someone to help you to mentor you along. And then once you get to that point where you've been mentored along, repay it as many times over as you can. Be a mentor, help, you know, take students, be a mentor for others as well. But along the lines of, of approaching, you know, the excellence and not, uh, and, and not perfection um, is to, you know, to know your limitations, know your, that there are going to be conditions you don't, you're, you're not going to recognize, you're not going to fix everyone. It will get better the more the farther along you go. Your experience and your outcomes will get better. But we be willing to, you know, to understand and see your limitations and, and to say, I don't know, and to seek, you know, seek advice um, or to send them back. You know, I think when I came out, I was looking for something that would fix everyone. Um, I was, you know, you know, that the dreamer kind of thing. Every patient walks into my clinic is going to leave well after at least X number of visits and recognizing um, that's not always going to be the case. Um, you know, and for most conditions, there's a reason, reason and a solution. Sometimes the solution lies with us. Sometimes it lies outside of us. You know, sometimes it, it early on, it took me having those patients with constant sciatica and a drop foot that needed surgery that I couldn't help, you know, recognizing those, those, uh, um, those would be some things I would think that, that, you know, if I could go talk to my earlier self, you know, I was a little wiser now, perhaps I would say, you know, and, you know, don't beat yourself up, give yourself a little break. That's why the seeking, you know, excellence, but not perfection, I think is a really, a really important thing because, you know, we, we, you've got this person in front of you that you want to help. And sometimes we don't have the solution to their problem, but it's the more efficiently we can move them to their, what the solution is, I think the, the better. And that's one of the things about efficiency with MDT is we make rapid but not hasty decisions about patients and whether they can respond, you know, to what our interventions or not. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it's funny what you mentioned that my thought when I graduated was I'm going to do all the techniques, all the main ones. I want to know everything so I can help like every single person that walks in the clinic. And I was yes. so focused on doing that. And then you start like, I'm going to do Mulligan. I'm going to do McKenzie. Uh, in Brazil, you can do osteopathic that are for physical therapists. I did that. And you were like, I'm going to learn a little bit of everything. I'm going to be the best one. And then you start realizing that if you want to really want to learn the process, for example, MGT, it takes a long time and you got to be pure and you got to practice. So it's just very confusing sometimes for people that are starting out and they want to be the best and they think that's what they drives them they want to like just learn a little bit of everything and it, use that technique for this if it doesn't work I have this option and I can try that and I think that's interesting what you said because sometimes we we um 
require a lot from ourselves. We want to be the best and like fix, help everybody. And sometimes it's just not possible, as you said, and being able to recognize that as well, I think it's important. Yeah. And I think that for a lot of times, people have so many different competing thoughts in their mind when they're assessing the patient. They're like, where do I begin? This school of thought's telling me to do this. This is cool. Yeah. You know, and, and there's a confusion that de- develops for yeah. a lot of people. And, and it's hard for them to master the, the approach, you know, one approach. It's hard enough to do that when you've got a lot of competing things. It, it can be a real challenge to know to know what to do, you know, and you can get the old analysis paralysis. You kind of go, oh, OK, yeah. you know, wh- which do I do? I've got six different possibilities I could do a little of this or a little of that. And, and, and it really is tough. And that's why I think MDT is such a good foundation, because it does incorporate manual and manipulative therapy at the proper time in the treatment of, of, of derangement and things that, you know, that there is manual therapy is an extraordinarily part, important part of what we do. But it's in its proper, it's it's has its proper role from a diagnostic and a therapeutic standpoint. So yeah. And I really like what you said about the others because sometimes I think he's the most challenged uh classification that you get. And it was like, so what now? What do I do? So I think it's it's very nice what you mentioned about the foundation and then using that as tools. So I think that's really um good. Yeah. So for clinicians out there using MDT now, uh, if you are not familiar with the clinical practice guidelines, the APTA orthopedic, I want to say orthopedic section, it's actually the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy. They changed the name after all these years, but go to the website. These are free to download. So if you're interested in what's there and they're revised every several years. And so you'll see the low back pain revision that came out in the fall of 2021. You'll see um, the carpal tunnel. You'll see those are all there and you can download those. And those are really helpful when you do find those others to know what to to go to. So there's a, and that's, you know, I said, it's freely available. Go to those and use those when you do run into some of those others. Those are a great resource. Yeah, that's a good advice. And final questions. Uh, question what is uh what are personal qualities and abilities that you think are important to become a successful physical therapist so i think the i mean the first thing is and i think this probably applies to anyone who's listening to podcasts you got to care about people you got to really want to help people so that's the first thing is is you got to be empathetic you have to care about the people that you're going to be seeing sometimes that goes to we care so much that we it's 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 really agonizing when we can't help them. That really is what you know what uh, what what's the problem. I went from not being able to help hardly anyone to develop you know to getting better at MDT, and then when I would have a patient that I couldn't help, it would really bother me. And I had, I had to remember back, there was a time I couldn't help hardly anyone. So, you know, tell you how you're going to look at the glass, you know, yeah. is, it, is it 10% empty or 90% full? If you get nine out of 10 patients better, then, you know, it's all your, how you want to look at that. Um, I think the other thing, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase um, my friend and colleague, uh, Dana Green, be curious, be interested. You know, there's an, I think for a, a successful clinician, there's an innate curiosity. I want to figure this problem out. You know, we have, we want to figure things out. We want to understand what's going on. Um, I think having that and continuing to, to have that is going to, is a really important part, really important attribute. Um, I like problem solving. I always just like sorting things out. I don't solve them all, but uh, each year I'm solving problems at least sooner than I, I did the year before. I continue to feel like I'm, I'm getting better. Um, so those, I think, are some important attributes. I mean, obviously, anyone who gets into and, and graduates from PT a PT program is a very bright person. You're in the top group because it's a very competitive thing to get in. So we're always dealing with, with bright people. But I think the empathy and I think that really innate curiosity are helpful. Um, and, and it reminds me of something, that curiosity part, is that, um, is that Robin McKenzie looked at every patient encounter as an opportunity to learn. And, and that's a really a refreshing thing. Instead of this is a person to treat, this is an, it's, each patient is presenting you with an opportunity to learn and to, get, to improve your skills and to be better able to help somebody else that's going to come down the road. So that, um, that, and sometimes, you know, I have to remind myself of that when you get, you know, really busy in the clinic. Okay, I'm, just, I'm learning, you know, and, 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 but each, each encounter, each patient and each encounter opportunities to learn 
Um, I think that's that to me is, is very refreshing. And that's something that Mackenzie continued to talk about, um, you know, throughout his life. Yes, absolutely. And Robert, if people want to learn more about you or your work or contact you, how they can find you? Yeah, so my um, uh, email is on the website. It's rmedcalf, M-E-D-C-A-L-F at bellsouth.net. But if you look on the McKenzie Institute USA website, all the faculty are listed. And um, you can just click on that and it'll open it up. You can send me an, an email. If you're credentialed or close to being credentialed, we probably will be, uh, once you're credentialed, you're probably within the next year or two, we'll be receiving an invitation sometime in the early summer to potentially, if you're considering the OCS, to, um, to, to come onto the study group. And uh, it's free. Like I said, it, it's, it's just something we enjoy doing. And, and um, there's a nominal cost. I think it's like 200 bucks to, for the MedBridge part of it. And then, there are, of course, costs associated with, with registering and taking the exam. But, but this part is, is, is free. And as long as, you know, people are interested in doing this, we'll continue to offer this as something, you know, as to try to help the NDT community. Um, gain greater recognition amongst their peers, colleagues, and also the general public for the quality of their of uh, what they have to offer. Thank you so much for doing that, Robert. I think it's great uh, that you are helping MDT clinicians become certified and guiding them through the way and trying to just grow the community and um, be stronger. So I really I appreciate your time and you can tell you are very passionate about to do so. Thank you so much for doing that. It's fun. I, I really enjoy it. And uh, it's it's tough work, um, but, uh, you know, it, it, but it is fun. I enjoy the process and I learn from the people doing it. it's not the learning is never a one way street. It's always yeah. the other way. And the, I have people that are finding things. Oh, we need to include that. And we'll upload that to the website. It's all it's all very good. So, yeah. You're it's always fun. learning too. You're, it's a way Absolutely. to be always updated and everything that's going on. So Absolutely. that's great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time and uh, joining us um, tonight. And I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for the opportunity. Questions, suggestions, or topics you want to hear about, talk to me on ptprotalk.com. Join our email list to receive updates and new episodes and subscribe here. Tell your friends about it and be sure to share. Also, leave us a review and let us know what you think. We are going to publish today's video recording on my YouTube channel, so you can check the link out in the show notes. Thanks for joining us and I'll see you next time.